Welcome back to another episode of Guy Live B2B Jam Session. Hope you're tuning in and you're doing well. This lovely Tuesday morning for many and afternoon for some. You know, if you're having a great day so far, show some love in the comments. If you're in the building tuning in from Oakland, show us some love in the comments. Super excited about my guest today, Danny Beckett Jr. He's a rock star CEO. He's the founder and CEO of Assemble, and he's incredibly obsessed and passionate about the future of work. And he's literally on a mission, a ruthless mission, to build a smarter way for everyone to work. You know, Assemble is an expert solution company leading the future of work by using machine learning and artificial intelligence to assemble the expertise organizations need. But, you know, outside of the work that, you know, Danny does, he's also a father uh, and just an awesome, compassionate leader. And I'm super excited to dive deep with Mr. Beckett on really, you know, where is the future of work going, one? But two, in addition, is what are some of the trends that he's seeing in terms of organizational structures? Um, the lack of employee engagement, but also the growth now that we're seeing in a gig economy um, and continued growth. You know, even before COVID, the gig economy was growing, but now even more, we're seeing more growth in the gig economy. And that's because, you know, we're seeing a bigger economic infrastructure and technological infrastructure being designed and developed for gig workers and on-demand workers. And Assemble is one of the companies leading that charge. So with that said, super excited to dive deep with Mr. Beckett. If you have any questions for him, show some love in the comments. If you're super excited to, you know, be talking with Mr. Daniel or to be tuning into our conversation, show us some love as well. And please don't forget BigBlackTea.com. It's out right now. Get you some harmony and zen. <laughs> with that said, Mr. Danny Beckett, what's up, buddy? What's up, my man? Dude, I doing well. I'm I doing a lot. I need huh? some of that tea. You gotta, I gotta, I gotta <laughs> give me some of that. Oh, dude, for sure, man, for sure. We got you, man. We got you. How you doing, man? You, you living good, bro? Yeah, I'm doing. I'm doing good, man. Honestly, you know, I think given given all the things that are happening in the world right now, you know, I I think we have to pay attention to what you know what we can be thankful for and things that we can control, right? Um, I've got it. You know, I've got a wonderful family and a great company. Um, amazing team and uh, and just I get to you know honestly I get to show up every day and do some pretty cool work um, that's you know more more than more than about liquidity or any returns it's it's truly about the the impact that we're having on people and mm -hmm. uh, in the in the change that we're able to to uh, to see right and, and I, I call this my legacy company um, mm -hmm. not every not everyone likes investors don't love to hear that um, <laughs> yeah but, uh, in, in many cases, this is, I think this is the work that I've, I've, uh, I've been bred to do, honestly. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, look, I look back, you can't connect the dots looking forward, only looking back, you know, 
And I think oftentimes it's good to slow down a minute and, and connect the dots and understand how you got to where you are. Yeah. Um, because it gives you a better picture of how you can, can be successful at the work that you get to show up and do every day. So, man, so true, man. So true. So I want to dive deep, Danny, you know, give me, give me a background on, you know, what inspired you to start Assemble? You know, where did that journey start for you personally? Because you've been in this space of kind of looking at the trends around the future for, for quite some time, but you eventually decided that you wanted to start Assemble. So what, what was the spark for you personally, man? You know, honestly, I, I look back, um, you know, again, as you connect the dots and it, it really started when I was 19, um, I had just ended a professional motorcycle career. Um, and I've always just been very ambitious, right? I think one of my greatest skills is my ambition and my, you know, and my grit. I'm not afraid to show up and I, I know I'm going to fuck some stuff up, but that's part <laughs> of it, right? yeah. um, uh, that. I mean, honestly, that was, you know, my dad always told me, he's like, you know, it, you're going to get hurt. If you're going fast, you're going to get hurt. Right. And, and essentially he just, you know, he just meant that I, that if I wanted to be a great athlete, I had to push the limits um, and pushing the limits meant that there was consequences to doing that and I was going to get hurt. And so I, I got hurt a lot racing motorcycles. I think you know, I pushed the limit a little more than I probably should. And, um, and I had to end a, a career at an early age around 19 to 20. I started to end my professional motorcycle career. Um, that, that was a time where it was probably one of the hardest times of my life, right? In that all I knew, I'd been riding a motorcycle since I was three years old. Um, and, and all I knew was, was how to obsess over one thing and see it through all the way to the professional status. I mean, that's honestly all I knew. I lived and eat and breathed it literally in my training and my exercise. I mean, everything that I, that I did was around that. And so it, it was a really tough time. You know, I was, it was uh, making a transition from, hey, what, who am I, mm. right? Who am I, what am I, what am I supposed to do? Um, and, you know, my, my family, uh, I love them, you know, dearly, but they, they're not necessarily, you know, business professionals, right? And, and that was something I was passionate about. So it required me to take even more risks because I didn't have great mentors around me saying, hey, like, you know, do this, don't do that kind of thing, right? So it required me to step out of my comfort zone and really take some risks and try some things and, and fail, like literally fail um, at so many things that it hurts thinking about all of it, right? Um, but, uh, but that was a, so transitioning from motorcycles to not having a lot of skills at all, to be honest, I didn't even know how to open or use a computer, but yet um, I, I knew there was something that, just got me really curious about the internet, right? And and um, I don't even know. I think I I borrowed my sister's computer, and we got in a big fight about it. And uh, I just fell in love with it. I started messing with it and messing with the internet, and and um, I quickly stumbled onto a problem, which was uh, the ability to purchase motorcycle parts on the internet didn't exist, and there was so much friction in the process of um, of actually, you know get buying, you know, buying parts for your motorcycle. And so I, I got, a, I, I said, Hey, like what, you know, this was when Amazon was selling books. Um, I'm like, I wonder what it would look like to bring OEM parts onto the internet. Like, I don't even, where do you begin? Right. <laughs> how do I, how do I, how do I bring OEM parts and allow people to, to do that? Um, and, uh, and so that, that was the, that was the challenge. Um, and I dove right in head first. Um, and that required me to, to, uh, to do a lot of things, uh, that I didn't know shit about. Um, but I had to teach myself a lot of skills. So I taught myself a lot of internet skills. I taught myself a decent amount of code and, and, um, and, you know, writing some code or even what developers I needed, um, to build out these, you know, these platforms and these e-commerce sites. Um, and then I had to market them and there were all these different, you know, obstacles that I faced. But, but it taught me how to upskill and reskill myself, right? And, and Tim, I know that's something you're very passionate about. Um, and it's not just, you know, us. There's, there's a lot of people out there, including the government, preparing to spend billions of dollars on upskilling and reskilling in America. But, but that was the challenge, right, is that I kept having to upskill and reskill myself. And that was my own – That I, I, it required my own um, – um, energy, right? That I it didn't have like my dad or someone I knew saying, "Hey, let me coach you through this. Here, let me help you. Let me help upskill you." I had to learn, climb on the internet, and just figure this out. 
by by doing it right and um and so that that went on and i had a lot of success in the e-commerce that's you know where i where i made a lot of my money early on in my in my entrepreneurial career and and it it uh but again it, it required um a lot of upskilling a lot of a lot of reskilling um after that i uh, and, and along the way i had to hire a lot of freelancers right um and none of them were free right like i say a lot of, i say a lot of days we're trying to free the freelancer <laughs> because the freelancer has been trying to be free forever right if you if you think back and you look at the historical evolution of, of independent workers and freelance workers you know, it was back in like literally in the 70s is when this kind of whole idea of like I could be an independent worker and be a freelancer without like the restrictions of an actual entity, right? With a W-2 and all the things. But the problem with the freelancer was that they weren't, they, they had to be a salesperson. Mm. This were this were the idea, like I got to wear multiple hats came about, yeah. right? Well, we weren't programmed. Most of us are, are outliers and that we can wear a lot of hats, deal with a lot of pressure, go through all those emotions and still show up knowing that we're crazy, but there's just something about it that keeps us showing up. Most people, they're just not programmed and wired for that, right? The reality is that you're not a salesperson. You're not an accountant. You're not a CFO. You're not all these things, right? Yet to be a freelancer and to be an independent worker forces you to do all those things. Yeah. Right. And so what do you do? You quickly get burnout. Right. Like think about any freelancer that, you know, that went out and was like, this fucking sucks. Right. Like, I, I did it for a month. I did it for two months. I did it for three months. Right. Like the most, you know, on average, the data supports, it's like less than a year of freelancers make it a year because they're doing all these other things. They really want to do the skill that they love. Right. Like I want to do uh, UI UX. I want to do development. I want to do the thing that I've skilled myself and I've got one or two or three or however many skills. I want to do that thing, make a decent living, right? Um, but not have to do all the other things, right? When, when we, on the vetting side, on our customer success, we always say it's like a third and third of the third, right? It's only a third of your time where you're actually even doing the work. The rest of it, you're doing all the other things, right? So anyway, for me, like looking back at all the freelancers that would, would step out, take the risk to be free. And I'd watch him climb back in and either getting an enterprise job or they'd go to work for an agency, right? Um, and uh, and this, this, about two years ago, I, I, um, I had a, just a, uh, a bunch of people reaching out to me on the demand side and on the talent side saying, hey, Danny, I, I need help with this talent or I need, I need a UI person, I need this person, I need that person. And they just knew that I had a lot of those skills and. I've hired and managed a lot of teams. Um, and so they would reach out to me and I'd say, yeah, yeah, I know so-and-so or Laura's good for that or so-and-so kind of thing, right? Um, and then on the talent side, people would also reach out to me and say, hey, Dan, I know you know a lot of companies, you know a lot of different things. Can you plug me in, give me some work? And, and so that, that got me thinking, again, about two, about two years ago, I'm like, is there anyone in this space? Like, I, I don't know, like I haven't followed it. I don't know anything about it, to be honest. And, and, and that, that, that forced me to, to spend about a year just digging into the competitive landscape, right? I was looking at all the players and all the pieces and it's a very complex problem, right? There's a lot of moving pieces to, to be able to do this at scale and, and to truly free the freelancer. It's a, it's a complex problem. It requires a lot of us working together to build different tools and technologies. And, and there's just a lot of moving pieces, but um, but I, I, um, I got, as I was going through this process, I quickly realized that there's some people doing things well, but there was a major gap in the market. Mm. And what that, what that gap was that I saw was that there, there was no one essentially vetting both sides of the market and doing the assembly in the middle. Right. So what you had is you had bad matching going on. Right. And then you had like the the probability of the project going well or the, uh, you know, it's no different than dating or marriages, right? If you think about it, so much of it fails because they're just not good betting, right? If they're the best one at this is eHarmony, you know? <laughs> yeah. if you think about it. The rest of it's just hooking up, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Bumble, Bumble with, my, my, with my dating or my marriage. <laughs> <laughs> but But it, again, if you can... If you can vet on both sides, you can you can assemble with greater confidence in the middle, 
right? So I said, okay. Um, there's a lot of like open markets where the, honestly, there's just a lot of failure happening because let's be honest again, when you think about the business, the business owner doesn't know all the things, right? There's no way entrepreneurs are again, very much outliers because they've had to go through all the struggles and learning all the things so they can manage all the things, do all the things. But, but the commoner, the common business owner, the small business owner, mid market, and even into the enterprise, these people know a couple things pretty well, but they don't know all the things, right? They're, they're placed on these platforms to write these complex jobs and interview all the people and do all the things only to find they found they hired the wrong person to do the wrong thing. Mm. Right. Um, and so anyway, that's, that's what got me really excited was that I, I love the fact that there was a lot of activity. There's a lot of platforms out there. There's a lot of things happening, but yet, we were interviewing thousands of, of freelancers and they were talking about all the frustrations and, and, and that they just didn't feel like they were getting the right work or just all the issues with it. And the same thing was true with the company. And so what, what we did, and there's some defining it as what they call a deep jobs platform. Uh, some are defining it as that, which is essentially what that means is they're removing all of that friction, the writing of the job description, the interviewing of the people, the payment, the, compliance, all the things, right? And they're doing all of that. So really all it is is just a match, right? So it's like we're doing all the 80, you just gotta do, you just gotta do the do the 20, right? Um, and so for me, I started to say, okay, if we can, if we can vet both sides and we can assemble in the middle, we can start to free the freelancer. Mm. Right? And and what what that does is it gives them, we deliver on the desire that they've had for a long time, which is honestly I yeah, so many people think about, I watch this happen all the time. Like I'm a father, I have two boys. They, they recently did a thing inside my son's classroom where they asked all the kids to write down two things that they loved about their dad. There were only two kids in that class that even had anything on their sheet. Wow. And that's 30 kids. Wow. You know, and my son was only one of the only ones that could actually talk about things that he loves about me, right? And, and some of that's just because of this old, workforce that this hundred year old workforce that we thought that we had to follow this process in order to manufacture and deliver on this thing yet only to find people are fucking miserable right mm -hmm. the divorce is higher depression is higher than it's ever been suicide rates are all these things are up and this is even before covid hit mm -hmm. right and that's sad to me right it's it's that's sad that that has to be the case for the for the worker right? There has to be a better way. There has to be, right? We have to be able to give them some more freedom, some more flexibility. Now, I understand manufacturing is very different when you have to show up and work at a machine. I get that. Yeah. And there's certain people that choose that path. And there's other issues happening on that side. But when it comes to the knowledge worker, there, there should be more freedom and flexibility. And, and honestly, for the one that needs to be babysat, that's his, that's his or her problem. That's a bigger issue, right? right. That if they need to be babysat, that's not, they shouldn't be there anyway. And they're going to eliminate themselves anyways over time. Right. But for those that want to do good work, want to work hard, but yet want a little freedom and flexibility to love on their family and have a little better work-life balance. That that's what gets me excited. And that's what we're really building and trying to do at, at assemble. Mm. Not an easy problem, right? Literally I just got out of a leadership meeting and it was yeah. intense, right? Because there's so many moving pieces. There's days where I show up and I feel like I'm winning. And there's days I show up and I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah, I just yeah, want to go to an e-commerce website with less moving pieces. Yeah. Right? But, but, but again, it's, it's what gets me out of bed because I know that I'm impacting humans in a really good way. And that even if in the next 10 years I can in, you know, have an impact on a thousand people and companies or whatever those numbers are, I can feel good about that. Right. Let me ask you, Danny, you know, with with everything that happened with COVID-19 and how it caused an increase in the rise of unemployment. You know, where do you see the gig economy and the freelance economy going now? And, you know, one of the things you've mentioned before is that there's a there's now the technological infrastructure to support them platforms like Assemble. But there's also gig and gig economy apps um, that are coming out now that can help the individual freelancer manage their finances. 
um, and even offer like wraparound services um, for bookkeeping, bookkeeping as well as software solutions. So, do you see kind of gig workers, you know, um, like is this like the time for the gig worker right now? Like all attention is on them. What are your thoughts on that? No, again, I think this has been this has been an evolution that's been happening over a long period of time, right? But but COVID has accelerated it, right? And, and what a lot of these companies are doing is, is building the tools to make it easier for the freelancer to live that lifestyle, right? Um, because again, given I've got to be an accountant and I've got to do all these things. Well, if there's tools built for the freelancer, it makes it easier for them, right? To be, to truly be free. Um, so I think those are all really great things. Um, but there's, there's obviously all of it, all of it kind of gets, gets wrapped in, in together. Even again, you gotta be a salesperson. You gotta, there's just all these pieces that, that get wrapped up into that. And we're all working on different problems because this is, this is not, this is not a small problem, right? You're talking a, a $13 trillion market when you're talking about labor in America, right? Like we're disrupting that, right? Um, and that's, that's going to take a lot of people working together, doing a lot of different things to, to solve this problem, right? Um, and so, you know, for me, I think COVID has accelerated it. I, I think we have a, a lot of work uh, to do still. Um, and, and again, I don't necessarily think that's on the desirability of, of that independent worker. That's there and we're building the tools around it. I also think what it is going to require is, and this is again being forced onto the organization, the organization is being forced to shrink down. This happened in 2008. Mm. Right. And, and once you shrink your company down, you have PTSD. You, you don't go quickly back into hiring. Right. Mm. You start to think about it more. You're like, do I really need that person full time? Yeah. 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 Would that be a freelancer. I wonder. Right. It, it, it forces you to slow down a little bit and just don't go quickly back into rehiring a bunch of people. Right. And, you know, they're defining it as the great rehiring. And what they're saying is that and this is true. Um, or, or there's the infrastructure isn't there to hire this many people back, right? Mm. Back to work. Um, so there's no, there's going to have to be again, other, other platforms and other ways like assemble or Upwork or all these different things. And even for those that, that want to live that independent, they may have to upskill themselves. Right. Mm. So it's like, okay, I want that life. Maybe I'm on unemployment right now. But you know what? I see the market moving in the in that direction. I've always wanted this. Maybe now's my time. Now's my time to go to go get some skills and to step out with more tools, with more infrastructure, right? With more people in the this mindset or headed in this mindset at least, right? Um, and so and so again, I think we have a lot of work to do. But but I'm I'm excited and and uh, I think the timing couldn't be better. For the organization to evolve, being and they're being forced to evolve. Um, I think the great organizations are are pivoting and evolving very quickly and becoming like they they adapted and they they're change ready, right? Mm -hmm. And not everyone's that way. Let's let's be honest, right? Some some people climb in and attack. Others just let stuff happen and they die, right? <laughs> now, what companies do we want? We want the ones that adapt and they. And they, they come out of it stronger and better, right, than, than before. And so, again, I, I think the timing couldn't be better uh, for organizations to take a hard look at their, their organizational structure, their yeah. efficiencies, their productivity, their people. Um, and I think it's a great time for freelancers to take a hard look at, you know, their life. Like, look inward and say, am I fucking miserable? Yeah. And, 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 and there's a third way. I, you know, this I like to always talk about the third way. Let me tell you about the third way, right? The third way, dive right? deep with it. For you know, you back back when you went to work, it was it was local and you were loyal, right? You mm. found that local company and you were loyal to it, right? You just worked, right? Then then things evolved and it became the job hopper, right? They, they, why did they do that? Well, they did it because they're trying to find happiness. Mm. Right? They're trying to find a place that they could engage in both where they love the work and they love the people, right? Mm. Let's be honest. My wife doesn't work for money. My work, my wife goes to work for the people, right? She loves the social aspect of work and what it, what it gives her. Right. Um, and so, um, 
so, you know, yeah, I think, you know, I, I'm just excited for, you know, for all of this. And, and the, the second way, you know, I think for the third way is again, now you have this uh, opportunity to be independent, right. And, and use the tools and technologies and platforms to your benefit. And now go now step out with a lot less risk than before and live that life that you, uh, that you've always wanted. Um, get your marriage fixed, get your relationship <laughs> fixed. Right. Um, and, uh, and get, you know, get back to what's important. I think, you know, I think we, our generation, you know, the millennial generation, you know, we're stepping into these leadership roles and we're, we're making different decisions. We're, we're more, we're more vulnerable, right. We're more apt to share our feelings, um, and be honest with one another. Mm. And I think that's a good thing, right? It's not a, it's not a hand on a hand on the table and say, this is the way it's going to happen. I don't care. It's more, tell me about how you're feeling. Tell me about yep. what lifestyle you're trying to create. And let's see if we can develop that work together to get you in a place where you can enjoy your work, you know, have good family dynamic, you know, dynamics and, and everyone wins. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so true. You know, for, uh, you've been, you know, you, you're a disciplined entrepreneur and, you know, a lot of people wouldn't be able to build a company through a, a recession such as the one they were facing or an economic and, and kind of downturn in social uh, and the current social climate we're facing, you know, what would be two or three of your tips to entrepreneurs who want to build a business, man? They want to build something as amazing as Assemble someday, but they just don't know how to get started, uh, whether internally or, or you know, just execute. You know, how would you uh, encourage them to frame um, their business and, 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 and be inspired to execute? You know, I would say... One of the, one big thing is is definitely find you know find a mentor, you know, like find someone that's been there and, and done that. You know, I mean, think about think about start like a lot of a lot of uh, startup people, right? What do they do? They go a lot of them in Silicon Valley, especially they go work at a startup for mm -hmm. a while, so they can live the the motions and be like, do I fucking want to do this or not? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. They go through the motions and then they're like. You know, you see them, they step out and they, they found their own company, right? So I would say either find like someone that's been there, done it, mm. and like dig in with them, ask them, like get, get, get weird with them, right? Um, you know, ask them, ask them the tough questions, him or her, right? And, um, and, and learn like, okay, so that you can realize, is this something I want to do or not, mm. right? Before you step into it and realize that, it, you know, how, how hard it is. Cause you, you gotta be a little crazy. Um, especially given that this, what we're going through right right now in the pandemic, you're making cuts, you're making tons of hard decisions. There's, it's like, you gotta be ready for that, you know? Um, and so I would say that's probably number one is, is find someone that's been there, done it. I don't care. Go to work for a startup, work for barely nothing, live out of your van, live with your mom. Like this is what you're going to do. Like climb in early. Right, figure it out early, figure it out often, um, and uh, and that's that's what I would say, you know, for that. And and you know, the other one that is is that you know you, you gotta be you gotta be gritty, right? You gotta know that shit is gonna blow up, shit is gonna fall apart. And the thing that that a lot of people always talked about is like you know fail early, fail often, kind of thing, right? I, I don't think I don't see it as failure if you're learning. So I think it's more about learning early, learning often. Right. And, and then keep going or, or adapt and change. Right. Go do something different. Um, I'd say that's probably number, you know, num number two. Number three, I'd say, is, you know, really be yourself. You know, don't don't try to be anyone but who you are, who you were made to be. Right. Like, I, you know, you see uh, like startup ecosystems all the time. Try to be Silicon Valley. Fuck yeah. that. Be yeah. you. I don't give a fuck what you're good at. I'm sure something figure it out and be you, right? And I think the same is true for people. You know, they see all these influential people, startup founders, I don't care. Be you. You were mm. created to do something, figure out what that is and be you and do it, do it, you know, do it with all your heart, your soul, your might, but do it your way, you know, be yourself. You know, because the moment you try to be someone else, you're going to fuck that up because you're not them. Mm. You're just going to fuck it up. Because you just weren't designed to be them. You're designed to be yourself and to figure it out yourself. 
you know. Yeah, it's so important because you know uh, I meet founders and I talk to founders every day. They're always trying to mimic other entrepreneurs, oh. and, and they try to they they often think that you know the ideas are the best ideas are in duplication. But what you and I know, we would know it's it's all about the execution and also the mission of it. Like, why are you in it for right? And then often what makes a great company are the founders and the, and the entrepreneurs and business um, leaders who are leading the company. But, you know, early stage entrepreneurs, first time entrepreneurs, they don't really get that. And I love what you say, because, you know, I'm in the Valley. I live in Oakland and I meet founder after founder who wants to be a founder, but they don't really understand what it entails. And like the journey of being a founder, but also the, the brutality of it, because I think we often talk a lot about entrepreneurship and romanticize it, um, especially in Silicon Valley quite often, which is cool because there is a lot of galore to it, but it's also really, really hard. And you have to have a certain type of mindset, uh, what I like to call founder mentality, that you want to thrive as a founder. And But you see often, to your point, Danny, entrepreneurs who always are looking to mimic other entrepreneurs, right? Whether it be the Gary V's or the Elon Musk, it's like, how can I be like them when it's actually, if you can find out and, and originate an idea or a business or a platform that's something that you're uniquely positioned to create, you don't you 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 build a, a much better business. Yeah, I mean, think about it, right? Like, it's like stop reading the fucking news. Stop reading the, news. Read the article about you know what fucking so and so eats for breakfast. Who gives a fuck? It doesn't mean shit. Eat whatever you want to eat for breakfast, okay? And wake up at whatever fucking time you want to wake up. And do like it's your path. You need to figure that out. You right? That's it's about you. The media is just trying to get you to read the shit so they can collect the fucking ad dollars, okay? Stop reading the shit. <laughs> work, right? Um, that that's that's you know, and I, that's that's for me. You know, I just I'm I'm an operator, right? I'm a builder. I show up every day. I put my pants on and I show up to build something, right? I barely I, I read things that maybe add value to what I'm building. The rest of the shit's all bullshit. I don't read any of it, right? Yeah. It means fucking nothing. What means something is the shit that's adding value to the challenge that I'm going through now, right? Mm. That that's what I that's what I want to read. Mm. Um, the rest of it doesn't mean shit. I don't get a time for it. I'd rather go out on a date with my wife or go love on my boys, right? Mm. I ain't got time for the fluff and bullshit. I've got work to do because I'm trying to build something and create an impact and provide a living for my family, you know, mm. and take care of these people that I'm responsible for leading at my organization. Man, that's powerful, man. You know, it's it's where that you know one meets founders like you and operators like you because you know you meet a lot of different founders, you meet a lot of different entrepreneurs, but not many people have that that founder mentality mindset, man. So that I dude, I love that, bro. You know, I want to ask you, you know, given where you know we're all still states have been taking COVID nineteen a little bit differently. Every like, there's a lot of thing reasons why people are kind of suffering and struggling right now. You know, where do you see the future of work going? Um, and kind of like, what role do you think, um, you know, the work that you're doing with Assemble plays in it, right? Because one of the things I've been sharing with people is I think it's going to be a hybrid structure. And one of the things you mentioned is that organizational design is going to be really important for for organizations. So what does the, the future organization look like um, in three to six or maybe next, by the same time next year? Yeah. So I, I think, you know, I, and again, I, I do agree with, you know, Elon and folks talking, you know, really paying attention to artificial intelligence at a deep level. Things are going to get really weird, but mm. not not for those that are creative and and um, and have a lot of soft skills. Right. Like AI really isn't going to disrupt those soft you know skills, the, the creativity, the imagination the communication, the human connection, the ability to be a great leader and know how to connect with people and manage all the weird dynamics when you got a, a, you know, your whole leadership team and you're making sure they're getting along and all the things, right? No robots going to do that, right? For a long time. Um, but things will get weird in terms of a lot of the manufacturing and, and you know, a lot of low-skilled jobs, right? Those, those will start to go away. But, but I think what we have, what people have to do is they have to, again, they have to adapt to that and they have to up, we have to retrain them, reskill them to either go in and work on those robots or in, you know, in a different role, right? That's on the low, that's on the low skill side. Now on the, on the high skill side, the, the soft skills could not be more important. I mean, I don't know, uh, something that I like to talk about a lot is uh, Google launched the rework um, project 
I don't know if you've seen this, but um, yeah, so it's, it's something cool to, to take a look at. And the reason they did it was because they talked about one of their greatest needs is management, right? Mm. And, and really what they were saying is management is human, right? And management is it's leadership in, in an essence, right? The ability to work with humans and motivate them and encourage, you know, encourage them, challenge them, do all the things. Because humans aren't going away for a long, long time. But, mm. but, but those are the skills that we're, we've been so obsessed with the technology that we've forgotten that there's a, symbi a symbiotic relationship between the man and the machine, right? Mm. Um, and so I think the, you know, the future of work is, is very much like a lot of lower skill jobs do get automated, right? AI does take over a lot of those. But those soft skills become even more and more important, you know. Um, and you know, and again, that's that's man, that's creativity, that's you know, a lot of the things. Now, the organization, what's happening with the organization, in my opinion, mm -hmm. is they they need to focus on core, right? What makes up the core, the strongest part of their organization, their their leadership, the people with the vision, the people that would show up even if they didn't get paid, essentially, right? Who are those people? Focus on those those people, and then peripheral talent gets bigger, right? So the, the idea that you can pull in talent uh, more on demand and be agile and be efficient and have those skills, not just any skills either, expert skills, right? Not someone that's going to fumble through a bunch of stuff, but someone that can come in and say and point there, there, there is your problem, get it done, and move on, right? Mm. That, that keeps the organization agile. It keeps it efficient, right? And it keeps it change ready, right? So that it doesn't die, right? Life expectancy of a company is now less than 10 years. Wow. Right? There was a time that that was 75 years. Mm. You know, now it's less than 10 years. And again, why? Because they can't keep up. <laughs> they get too good for their own good. Yeah, they, and they try to staff up for it. It's like, okay, the way we're gonna solve this, we're gonna staff up and we're gonna hire all these people only to realize, shit, now I gotta manage all these people. I gotta lead all these people. I gotta challenge all these people. And I gotta do all these things when I don't even have any of the skills myself, right? Hmm. And I didn't even really know what I even needed. I just thought putting butts in seats was the answer. <laughs> and, it, and it wasn't the answer. Hmm. You know, so again, I think organizations are gonna get smaller, they're gonna get focused on their core, and they're gonna hire peripheral talent from these platforms, right? Um, that have those vetted skills and they're, they're vetted people, not just any old people you hire off the street, right? But someone that's vetted that has the skills that can plug in and say and point there, there, there and get it, get it done to keep the organization on the rails and moving, you know, moving forward. That's powerful, man. That's really powerful. Dude. And you, it's funny because a lot of, I think, organizations are facing a reckoning right now in terms of they're really rebranding. They're trying to think about how do we prepare ourselves for this next generation of um, innovation, the next 10 years of innovation. And how do we how do we look new, brand new? You know, one of the companies that I often follow, um, Intel, they recently went through a rebrand. You know, and often a rebrand is a, is a, is a signal of a restructuring uh, or like trying to like think about building a fresh culture within an organization. But, you know, you see attempts like that from a variety of different angles. And you hope that, you know, I think often I, I think I see things like that. I'm, I'm hoping that the rebrand matches with the new culture, right? Because it's hard to, to iterate culture, especially if it's really uprooted and you have people who believe in a former culture and, you know, change is always hard in organizations. But what I think I love about your point is that, you know, this is there's an opportunity. I think a lot of companies either saw COVID as a challenge and the great ones saw it as an opportunity. I have a train coming by. <laughs> if it gets loud, there's just just a train, man. Industrial shit going on here. I love it, man. I love it. I love it, man. But you know what, Danny? I would love for you to share. You know, where can the people continue following you and Assemble's movement? Let uh, let me let the train go by here. <laughs> It's, it, I, you know, I, it's been a while since I've actually lived in the area with the train. <laughs> it comes down, it comes by a couple, uh, couple, di couple times a day, and so it gets pretty loud and tends to disrupt, to disrupt our Zoom calls. But <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. I love it. Yeah, no, um, yeah. Fo follow along, right? We're we're on a mission. Do we have all the answers? No. 
Um, are we are we showing up every, every day and doing the work? Um, yes, we've, we've got a great team. We've got great investors. Um, we're constantly looking for people to, to partner with and have deeper conversations, right? Um, knowing that you know it, it's it's a it's a really large market, really big problem, mm-hmm. um, and that's um, also why I founded thefutureofwork.org, which is a nonprofit. I'm not doing a lot with it at the moment, but my vision for it is is that it you know really becomes a way to bring people together because mm-hmm. you know there's, there's a lot of other issues we've got like you know tax free insurance and tax free you know benefits and. You know, there's a lot of lobbying we're going to have to do as we, you know, as we think about um, and we, we really start to disrupt things. You know, there's going to be a lot of other problems that that come along. Uh, and again, there's other people working on these problems with new tech. That's how a lot that's going on there, which is awesome. Um, but it, it's going to require us all working together. And so um, I'd say follow along with the, the futurework.org. And I'm looking for organizations, platforms, tools to partner with there. And have deeper conversations to see what we can do um, to move uh, move this forward. Um, definitely follow along. Uh, assemble. Um, that's just at Hire Assemble is uh, um, on all of in all social. Uh, feel free to follow follow me. I'm just you know it's at Danny Becca Jr. Uh, you can get to our website. It's HireAssemble.com. And uh, and yeah, again, just we don't have all the answers, but we're not afraid to do the work, and we're definitely going to figure it out. Love it, man. Love it, Danny. With that said, I've shared all kinds of links in the comments to Danny's profile, LinkedIn, but in addition to Hire Assemble as well as thefutureofwork.org if you want to check that out. And don't be afraid to reach out to Danny on LinkedIn. He's super accessible as well as on Twitter. You know, with that said, Danny, man, it's been an honor having you on, man. Would love to have you back on in the future, brother. What do you think? Yeah, I'd love it, man. I really, again, I appreciate a lot. I appreciate the work you're doing and what, you. what you're doing here. Um, and uh, thanks, thanks for having me. And let's let's continue to show up and let's do some great work. Let's do it, man. Love it, man. Appreciate you, Danny. Talk soon, brother. Peace, man. <laughs> and that was Mr. Beckett Jr., man. Go follow the man. Danny the man, Mr. Beckett Jr., assemble.com. Once again, Assemble is an expert solutions company leading the future of work by using machine learning and artificial intelligence to assemble the ex- expertise that you really need exactly when you need it and they're doing amazing work amazing amazing work so shout out to danny for joining us today with that said, i want to show love to the people who've been tuning in what's good my homie jonathan martinez man it's all right if you caught it late man you can always catch the recap on linkedin or on twitter my homie hope you're doing well mr martinez shout out to mr kumar ratan anajit thank you so much for tuning in with that said y'all i want to remind you all please check out bigblacktea.com we have launched We've launched, get you some Harmony and Zen, Zen and Harmony. Super proud of our team for launching this amazing project and product for our people, for our community. And this has been a long time coming, to be honest with y'all. It's been a long time coming. So I'm really, really, really proud of the team for, for really getting this done. So shout out to Team Guy that is popping, doing and really leading an amazing movement with us. With that said, you all, you know, if you all have any suggestions or any thoughts on future episodes uh, or people you would love for me to have on a future episode, please feel free to reach out to me. Let me know. I will more than be I would be more than happy to have them on the show. Please just reach out at utfow.com, utfow.com. And remember, as always, our platform is their platform. Our platform is your platform. Shout out to my homie, Jonathan Martinez, who says, this looks like some good tea. Hey, Jonathan, tell your mama, tell your friends, this is some great tea. Not some good tea. This is some great tea. <laughs> this is some harmony and zen. You'd love it, man. You'd love it, man. Oh, appreciate you, bro. Man, I love your content too, man. Always on Twitter. Love checking you out, man. You're hilarious, bro. You're hilarious, man. Show some love on Twitter, man. BigBlackTea.com. Tell your friends. Tell your mom. Tell everybody, man. Super grateful for you as well, Jonathan. Super grateful for you, man. With that said, thank y'all so much for tuning in today. We had an amazing episode with Mr. Jr. Please check him out. With that said, you know, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. As always, once again, you know, you all are hitting me up every single day, telling us how great we're doing, how amazing what we're doing is, and we really appreciate it. Really, really, truly, truly do. All right, y'all. I want to cap y'all off to something real nice, something I think you all will appreciate. In Oakland, if you are in the building, show us some love. Let us know what you're doing. 
tomorrow, this weekend, so we can, you know, be there as well. All right. Check this out. It's called Natural Juice Ashanti Mix from Fanga. Thank <laughs> you. 